Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Gosh. Today, we're going to talk about the heart, the human heart. Such a complex and vital organ. Anatomically, the heart has four chambers and four valves and arteries and the blood the blood is processed through the heart, sent to the lungs to receive oxygen, to go around the rest of the body. It's delicate, and it's subtle, and it's a, a muscle, and it's also an organ. It's a, a pump, pumping, pumping, pumping blood, and in some ways so connected to our life force. And we know that when we're feeling extreme emotional anxiety, our heart can mimic symptoms as if we're really in trouble, really having some kind of major heart event. I've even experienced this recently. And wanting to dedicate this podcast today to uh, a friend who's having open heart surgery right now as we're, as we're recording this. I'm here with, uh, with my friend who is a professor in the Department of Contemplative Psychology at Naropa University here in Boulder, Jason Apt. And Jason and I are going to discuss a little bit about the human heart and specifically how it relates to these upcoming portions in our, in our Torah reading and Lev Paro, Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's heart, which is even more complex perhaps than, than a, a regular human heart, a heart that seems to be hardened. Sometimes it seems like the heart hardens itself sometimes, which is very hard to understand theologically, and we'll talk about that. Sometimes it seems like God is hardening Pharaoh's heart, and sometimes it seems like Pharaoh is hardening his own heart. And we have such powerful prayers and liturgy that connect to the heart. Lev Tahor, Lev Tahor. A pure heart. We ask that 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 God fashion for us a, a pure heart. And in our Shabbat prayers, traditionally we say, "V'taher libeinu le'ovdecha be'emet." Make our hearts pure, so that we can find our own true and unique unique way to serve in in this world. So those are some of the questions we're going to be asking. What does it mean to have a pure heart? How do we cultivate a pure heart? And what happens when we don't allow that. What happens when we when life just makes our hearts hard, and they become this very um, rock-like organ, organ, you know, instead of a lev basa, a heart of flesh, which is which is the goal. I'll say before I bring Jason into the conversation that in in Vaera, which is which is this week's uh, Torah portion, the second Torah portion from the Book of Exodus, there are nine mentions of Pharaoh's heart and each one the the heart becomes different sometimes it's the subject sometimes it's the object and the very first mention um, God says Ani lev paro. I God says to Moses when Moses is asking Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh to to liberate his people to liberate the Israelites and God says I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart and then it says Vayachazek lev paro that Pharaoh's heart became hard, a different word is used. Sometimes it's chazak, which is kind of strong, and kashe, which is, which is hard, and then it's kabed, which is heavy, heavy heart. 
hard heart, a strong heart, but strong not in a positive way, it seems, strong in a, in a way of stubbornness. And the last thing I'll say is that there seems to be a very strong relationship between the ability to hear others and our, the quality of our heart. So it says very clearly, after each time it talks about Pharaoh's heart being hard, it says he couldn't hear. He didn't hear. He wouldn't hear Moses and Aaron anymore because his heart was hard. And so he couldn't feel their, their plight, their, their plea. And similarly, early on, um, the people, the Israelites who were enslaved, the Torah doesn't say they have hard hearts, but it does say that they are they have a kotzer ruach, they have a shortness of breath, which we know is a, a symptom when people uh, have a heart condition. There's a shortness of breath. Because of a shortness of breath and, a, and hard work, they couldn't hear Moshe. And because they couldn't hear Moshe, Moshe somehow lost the ability to speak. So there's lots and lots and lots of material here around the heart, around re- listening. So, Jason, um, what are your first impressions of... Um, either the human heart in general or, or Pharaoh's heart in particular and how we might have an understanding of this from an emotional and psychological perspective. Well, first, Mark, I'd like to just say thanks. It's an honor to be with you on your podcast. And I'm thinking about the theme of listening and that there are listeners, whoever is hearing this now are listeners, and there are certain people that you have relationships with in the community that because of those relationships, because there's enough sensitivity between you and them, that there's listening that actually happens. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of themes in this Parsha of, uh, it says, not paying attention, not listening. Um, he turned his back on them. He went to his palace and he turned and left. And these are all in relation to hardening the heart. So I think from, as I was reflecting on this, some from a, it's impossible to be. Um, it's impossible to not feel what's actually happening in the heart um, if we're connected to our body. And the only way to not really be able to feel it is to be desynchronized. Our mind and our body are desynchronized to not have that connection, and that enables uh, many dangerous things to happen. But when there's when there's a feeling of actually feeling what's going on in the physical heart and in the emotions, which are very much are related in the body, then it's difficult to ignore that feedback. There's feedback constantly. So it seems in the Parsha that there's a constant, there's, a, there's this pattern of not paying attention, not listening, turning one's back. And then the feedback then has to come a lot stronger in the form of the place to try to get the attention. Well, wait a minute, you're, you're reading the, the plagues of which we have the, fir- the first seven out of ten are in this Parsha and then the next three in Bow, which is next week, but you're reading the, the, the plagues as feedback for, for the circumstances of, 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 of Pharaoh's heart not being able to listen to what's happening. Yeah, the feedback has to keep getting stronger and more intense when we don't listen to ah. what's actually being asked. What are the needs? So, I mean, if we're thinking about this intrapsychically, interpersonally, or interpersonally, both ways. For example, we have this going on right now in our country where there's a tremendous amount of not paying attention, not listening, turning one's back um, in terms of what we're we're talking, not listening to Native Americans, not listening to Mexican Americans, not listening to uh, Arab Muslim Americans, not listening to women, 
science experience, not listening to climate scientists. And the more this continues, this kind of shutting down process, there's going to need to be stronger and stronger feedback coming at that source which is not listening. Uh-huh. So in that kind of, re- I mean, from a, a kind of theological perspective, it's sort of not reading it as a, a some kind of supernatural God who has emotions and feels kind of, has the capacity to harden God's heart, but it's almost like a, a kind of cycle of karma. Like if if people in positions of leadership and authority are closing their heart and not able to listen, then the universe is going to give some kind of feedback that's going to change the, the circumstances, which can, as in the case of the ten plagues, cause a tremendous amount of pain in the short term. But in the long term, it's about a kind of liberation. And you have, of course, the the, the classic liberation and the, the parting of the Red Sea and the Israelites going through and, and, and singing a song of, of redemption and, and celebration. So you're seeing, you're seeing the sort of cause and effect type um, cause and effect type scenario that, that's to do with like the Moses Fa- Moses as the potential liberator, Pharaoh as the tyrant, and and God being more the kind of universal structure that creates cause and effect. Is that am I hearing you right? I think so. Yeah. I want to better hear you be. from a place of open <laughs> heart and soft heart. <laughs> well, I'm thinking too on this individual level. What happens when you were mentioning how the heart, the physical heart, can actually parallel what's going on emotionally? So what happens when we're not actually listening to what our body is telling us? That can then symptom, the signs and symptoms can get stronger and stronger in order to try to get our attention. Uh-huh. Well, let's, let's get back. I mean, that's, that's fascinating in itself. I want to get back to the, the kind of quality of, of a heart, like what... You know, so I hear you saying that part of it's about being more in tune with our with our bodies and the integration of body and heart and mind, you know, spirit. Um, but like, what? Else, how do we? If 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 it is indeed true that the physical organ of the heart um, and our ability and its openness and softness is connected to our ability to be compassionate, to be able to listen um, to the world around us and the people around us, like how? How can we cultivate um, soft hearts, pure heart? You know, that, I mean, lev tahor is a phrase in the Psalms, like a pure heart. And then, you know, a lev basal, a heart of flesh, as opposed to a heart of stone, is a is a sort of trope that we get through our through our literature. So, you know, what do you think those images or those descriptions of the heart are really about in terms of practice or just being in the world? Well, I'm thinking of um, this educator uh, Parker Palmer, uh-huh. who's a friend of Naropa, and he he talks, he writes, and talks about this this idea of uh, how many of us are living the divided life, the unwhole life, where there's a split between the role, our role in life, our our, our persona and our work face, and the, the masks that we put on, and our soul. So there's a divide between soul and role, and that. He talks about rejo- the work of rejoining soul and role. Mm. And so there's a... To have a mask in the world, there's obviously a certain need for that kind of mask and that kind of hardness of a mask. And there's, there's a hardness on the outside, but a softness on the inside. And the, 
the um, the pro one of the what, what 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 can happen is often we can live like on the outside this hard life, um, and in, but on the inside we're still in touch with our soul. We're still in touch with what's meaningful, with what our dreams are, with what our needs are, um, with the love that we need. But on the outside, um, we might put on a different kind of face, right? But w but at least we can still hold that that differentiation. But then he talks about how a really sad um, state of affairs and alienation can occur when actually what the mask on the outside starts to creep inside and we become mm. even alienated from ourselves to where we're now having an inner mask and we're not even in touch anymore with our soul. Um, so it's not just we live in outer and an inner life, we've lost touch even with ourselves on the inside. And that's a very sad state and you know, it can be alien very alienating and, de and depressing and being very cut off. And I would say that's a, it's a state of being having a very closed heart rather than an open, soft heart. Um, so in terms of practice... And, and so, so that comes from... If, if the masks that we wear are so harsh because we're... You know, that's how we want to show up in the world or how we need to show up in the world to, to sort of get status or whatever it is. That if, if those masks we wear for too long are too harsh, then that will have an internal effect. Is that... Yeah, it can creep into the point creep where in, yeah. we don't have, he talks about we have a private life at home and then a mm -hmm. public life. Yes. But at some point, actually, it can happen where we start to more and more lose even the sense of contact with ourselves in our private life. Um, and so then in terms of practice or cultivating how to come back, is, he talks about it as um, uh, rejoining soul and role, what it means to kind of bridge that divide, the divided life and live a more complete or integrated life. Um, and, you know, I would say we're, there's, a, there's a wisdom to have being hardened, too. Do we need to have defenses and protectiveness in the world, especially when there's hurtful things happening in the world? Um, but there's also a need to stay in contact with the softness. And mm -hmm. um, there's a... Naropa's uh, founder, Trungpa Rinpoche, talked about how even... Uh, the person who seems the most cruel and aggressive and violent and hard and oppressive on the outside, there's at least there's always at least one thing in their life, whether it's their relationship with their animal, their their their, <laughs> their dog, or how they relate with food. Um, there's something that they feel still that softness towards, um, and there's an opening there. Hello, I hope it's hope it's true in our world. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. I, I'm thinking of. Um, you know, there's a, a, a famous teacher that a famous teaching that I've heard attributed to the, the Kotzka Rebbe, the, the Hasidic Rebbe, who talks, you know, in the first paragraph of the Shema, the Vehafta, where it says, you know, Vehafta, you know, you will love God with all of your levavach, like all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. And then later on, it says, and these words should be these words that I say, the words of kind of having, you know, Shema, which is really about connection and um, about loving and um, about knowing God's oneness, all of that. Uh, it says uh, th these words should be al levavecha. They should be on on your heart. And the Kotzka says, why does it say on your heart and not bilvavecha inside your heart? And he says that our hearts can't be open all of the time. We can't walk around in this world with open hearts all the time. It just feels it's too vulnerable. It's too dangerous. And so our hearts often are, are closed and protected. But if the if the the teaching the ultimate teaching of our tradition 
is, 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 is sitting on our hearts at the times in our lives when our hearts are open through intimacy or through just feeling emotional impulse or how, whatever it is that opens our hearts and those words, those teachings will just somehow be absorbed when the heart opens which I, I find a very compelling teaching very compelling teaching I mean he also is known for saying that there's nothing as whole as a broken heart as if like knowing that's another aspect of heart like it's somehow that the, the, the human experience of, of heartbreak which you know I mean I've experienced this year in, in, in the loss of my father and you know that just that the experience of, of heartbreak how that even though it feels that the, the word is so hard like the idea that my heart is broken but actually that you know potentially I don't know I would love to hear your thoughts on this that that actually a heartbreak can really be a heart opening a, a heart softening because mm -hmm. sometimes the it needs to break because our hearts are too hard perhaps yeah, what you're saying is making me think of the importance of the right kind of community context for this, for the heart to feel that it can open. And you brought up earlier this whole idea of whether it's involuntary or voluntary, the heart's contraction and expansion, it's closing and opening, and which is, I think, related is that when there's the right context, the right kind of friendships, the right kind of community, then the heart could feel safe enough to open and let those teachings fall in. Um, and so maybe one way to think of this is what's the, what are the kind of individual practices we could do to kind of cultivate compassion and, all, um, and open our hearts and be in touch with ourselves. And, and yet, you know, what, you, what you're saying is making me think of it not just on an individual basis, but actually mm -hmm. we need to do this in a relational context. Be beautiful. I mean, I've, I've been feeling that really strongly, like right now, I think we're... We, we we so need each other we need community I mean whether it's that those voices of resistance whether it's the community of people who are feeling the need to to march and and in that way or, or just spiritual community like um, being together singing to singing to I think singing together is a really a really powerful uh, practice in community to just to just sing and you know I, I spoke about this last week actually I mean song can be it can be song can be about celebra celebration song can be about resistance song can be about protest song can be about redemption i mean there's so many aspects to song and i think song at its most powerful is in community and that there is somehow a capacity that it has to open to open the heart and i think i think that um i'm i'm feeling very 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 drawn to to the power of community and the power of of the cycle of reading these sacred stories, like in the, like the fact that we're reading these stories right now, feels feels so rich to me. And we can talk about Pharaoh's heart and how that is a sort of metaphor for you know the heart of the world, the heart of our leaders, the heart our own hearts, you know, and and this process that can be so it can be so you know if we're in our own narcissism, if we're in our own kind of ego place, then the heart. The heart has its journey of its own. I mean, the way the progression of Pharaoh's heart seems to be that it starts with this 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 complex idea that God says, "I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart," and then like the heart hardens itself, and then Pharaoh hardens his own heart, and then after a while, it's just all about the heart. It's just itself hardening. It's almost like he's on a some kind of narcissistic cycle of of addiction to to just saying no rather than saying yes, and to ignoring the voices of of of, of the people who want to like change reality and and get get out of there so i think there's a lot 
a lot in here. And I, we don't have so much more time today, but I just, do, do you have anything, anything, um, any thoughts about that idea? I don't want to get too much down the rabbit hole of narcissism, but <laughs> it does seem like there's a particular nature to, to Pharaoh's heart that could perhaps be some kind of narcissistic personality. Mm. Yeah, well, I think part of what's really um, the uh, essence of, of narcissism, as I understand it, has to do with uh, extreme hardened defensiveness and uh, self-protectiveness. And that's dangerous um, for that individual and also many other people, of course, uh, it's very much like Boober's I, uh, it situation mm. when it comes to relationships because there's not an ability to have sensitivity. There's a callousness. So there's needing to relate to others as the objects of one's own kind of whole in psychic, intra-psychic world rather than really experience others as others. And um what, you, what you're saying here about the broken heart was also just bringing to mind um, uh, Heschel's um, teaching that he says that there's three three ways to mourn. Mm. It's reminding me of and he said the three ways to mourn is um, silence, weeping, and singing. And wow. there's something about that because obviously when you're mourning the heart's already broken open. Yes. And mentioning the connection of singing together and um, but and the silence piece again um, which might seem uh, kind of uh, expected that I would talk about coming from Naropa but I think silence is a big has a big role here to play mm -hmm. um, if you imagine Paro being alone or being in a group let's say of people and they were quiet together, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if Paro started turning his attention actually to listen, to pay attention to what was going on inside of him, in his body, or to pay attention to what the people were really saying. Like if he sat in a group with the Israelites mm -hmm. and with Moshe and Aaron, like what would, what would, if he really sat and listened to each other in a kind of council style, would there be the ability to penetrate the defensiveness? Uh, it, what, what would happen if he let that in? Wow, and really listen to that. What a great question. And I think that, you know, in, in that world of ancient Egypt, as I understand it, I mean, the Pharaoh is sort of pretty much God, and so there's no... I, mean, I don't think he has capacity to be on any kind of equal status with anyone else. So the, the thought of him being kind of vulnerable with, with people who are his advisors yeah. or people who are well, his... He was close with Yosef. No, this is a different I mean, sorry, pharaoh. Several, this is yeah, three, yeah no, the, two pharaohs. Two pharaohs ago, ago right? He was well this, with Yosef. This he probably pharaoh, wasn't vulnerable with Yosef, but yeah. at least he was. They literally could have. I been mean, there. this pharaoh, you know, potentially is the pharaoh who grew up with Moses as his brother. I mean, if, <laughs> certainly the way the Prince of Egypt, uh, you know, and other films <laughs> of the story take it. So it's like, in a sense, they've been like brothers, and now they're his Moses, like trying to appeal to, to him saying you know let my people go let my people go it's enough already like let, end this madness 
and he just can't. He can't. And even even after he does, he still can't. He still goes in in, in pursuit. You know, um, of course, when they finally do leave, I think we. I think um, there's so so much richness here. I think we need to we need to wrap things up. And I, I want to just sort of present this. I, I, I love what you said about about uh, silence and weeping and and um, and singing because I think that regardless of them being about processes of mourning, I think they're just very important things that we can do in community right now. And all three of them can, in a different way, have an effect on our, on our own hearts. Because we can't, we can't control the hearts of other people. You know, I mean, in the, in the encounter, the subject of my first podcast, I mean, the, the encounter between Yehuda and Yosef, I mean, it, the Midrash says that words that come from the heart can enter another person's heart. So all we can hope is that we can keep our hearts open and keep our hearts soft and that if we're if we're able to get vulnerable ourselves with with others and in community, then the hope is that we can help other people have also have soft and open hearts. I feel like um, you know that's the invitation for us in our own personal practices and in our own being in community, keeping Shabbat like you know having a sense of being together on Shabbat that we can, that we can do that. Any last comments you want to say, Jason? It's been it's been really uh, wonderful talking to you about this today. You too, Mark. Thanks. Um, I will just end with this piece right at the end of the parsha. Seems that it it implies a bit of uh, um, hope um, that some some change or transformation or growth could occur. Um, it's where it says that uh, where uh, Moshe is saying, uh, "I realize that you and your subjects still do not fear God." Um, the flax and the barley had been destroyed since the barley was ripe and the flax had formed stalks, but the wheat and the spelt have not been destroyed since they are late in sprouting. There's some notion that even all the destruction that that occurred um, with these dynamics of this kind of I-it and, and this not listening and this not paying attention, this turning your back and all the destruction and all, all the rupture that's occurred in that relation in those relationships, that there's still there's still parts that uh, can can grow. There's still something with the with the wheat and the and the spelt. Beautiful. That's a, a hopeful a hopeful message. It can be repair. Yeah, there can be repair. What, however, however intense the damage, there can be repair. If if. This parsha, by the way, if you if if you're not familiar and you're interested in reading it, it um, starts at um, Exodus chapter six, verse two, Vaera, and goes through this this journey of resistance and not listening and and hearts hardening and and um, if, you know the seven of the ten plagues, as I said. So may we all in these very challenging times, may we all uh, somehow cultivate awareness that can keep our hearts um, soft and keep our hearts pure. Thank you for listening to A Dash and Drush. We will see you next time.